Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday, March the 7th. Coming up, you can hear from Mr Doodle as he creates a giant piece of art in Ashford. Plus, we look ahead to Gillingham's game tonight. But first, a Kent businessman who defrauded the taxman of more than £2 million to fund a lavish lifestyle has been jailed. 47-year-old Ben Richardson from Temple Way in Worth put some of the cash towards a house where he lived with his wife at dawn. Well, I'm joined now by our court reporter Paul Hooper who covered this case. Firstly Paul can you tell us what Mr Richardson did and what else that money was used for? The businessman and his wife exploited the trust which usually exists between HMRC and the taxpayer. In reality nobody wants to pay tax but most people accept that it's a system which ensures the smooth running of our vital public services. Richardson exploited that trust after setting up a number of companies then charging customers VAT, <clears throat> but failed to hand over that money. He also paid himself without paying any tax, then pocketed the cash and laundered his ill-gotten gain through companies fronted by his wife, Dawn, a man living in Yorkshire, even his own twin sister, and more than £200,000 of that was then used as a down payment for a house near Deal which is now believed to be worth more than a million pounds. And how was his wife involved? Although he was the main force in this prolonged scam, the court heard how his wife was also involved as a director of one of the companies. In fact, she asked the judge at the beginning of her trial what the maximum sentence would be if she changed her plea, even at that late stage, to guilty. And she changed it after being assured she wasn't going to go to jail. She now runs a dog grooming business and looks after her horses. So what were the sentences handed down, Paul? Richardson, who was regarded as the architect of this duplicitous fraud, was sent to prison for six years. And he will now have to serve half of that before he'll be released. And he can't be a director again for a company for five years. Dawn avoided jail and received a 17-month suspended sentence. The businessman from Yorkshire, Michael Brown, was given a 20-month suspended sentence and a five-year ban as a director. Richardson's twin sister, Vicky Amos of Birchington, was given a 10-month suspended sentence. As she admitted just one count of allowing her bank account to be used for the deposit of the house, despite suspecting it was the proceeds of crime. And finally, what did the judge have to say? The judge, recorded Edmund Burge Casey, told him... It had been a deliberate and systematic attack on the public revenue because, as he said, Richardson had exploited what he believed was a weakness because the HMRC trusted businesses and individuals to declare truthfully and pay the taxes they owed. He continued with these words, Your motivation, he told Richardson, was greed as you wanted a more expensive and glamorous lifestyle than your legitimate income could provide and you use your various businesses as a mechanism to fund your lifestyle. Kent Online News. We're going to return now to our top story from yesterday's episode, and the Home Secretary has been setting out new plans to try and prevent small boats of asylum seekers crossing the Channel to Kent. This is what Suella Braverman had to say in the Commons earlier on. In the face of today's global migration crisis, yesterday's laws are simply not fit for purpose. <laughs> So to anyone proposing de facto open borders through unlimited safe and legal routes as the alternative, let's be honest, 
there are 100 million people around the world who could qualify for protection under our current laws. Let's be clear, they are coming here. We've seen a 500 We've seen a 500% increase in small boats crossings in two years. And this, Mr Speaker, is the crucial point of this bill. They will not stop coming here until the world knows that if you enter Britain illegally, you will be detained and swiftly removed. Removed back to your country, if it's safe or to a safe country, a safe third country, like Rwanda. And that is precisely what this bill will do. That is how we will stop the boat. The Prime Minister's also been visiting Dover, but Labour has called the legislation deeply damaging chaos. Kay Marsh is from Samfire in Dover, which aims to unite communities. She also has concerns. Um, something that I'm seeing, I do a lot of community engagement, community cohesion work, uh, and I go and speak to British communities, find out what they're worried about and try and put their minds at rest. There's a lot of misinformation in the media. There's a lot of, you know... Um, if it's cost of living or housing crisis or any of the crises that we're seeing in the UK at the moment, there's very much a blame the migrants attitude in the media and in government as well. Whether or not that's right, um, people are worried and people are looking for someone to blame for why they can't put fuel in their car, they can't put food on their table. So it makes sense, you know, it's, it's the foreign enemy and it's it does make sense, but it's mostly misinformation. And I think that if people really understood where the problems were coming from, um, they would be a little bit more compassionate. What's the situation, Kay, as far as channel crossings at the moment? I mean, we we can all see how bitterly cold it is outside. It's been a very, very long winter. People are still making the journey, are they? Yes, they are. And unfortunately, you know, the weather is starting to get slightly warmer. But as you say, it's still very cold outside. Um, again, this year, the same as last year, we didn't really see a major break for the bad weather that we would have done before. Usually we see crossings sort of almost stop over the really cold months, but we haven't seen that now for two years. So that's how desperate people are. You know, they're, they're willing to, you know, it's always a risk to life to make these crossings, but to do so in such bad weather and such cold temperatures is even more of a risk and people are still taking those risks. And can you give us a bit of an idea as to where people are, are coming from? How, I mean, their journey doesn't just be, isn't just across the channel. They've made a very, very long journey before that. Roughly where, but what countries are the, are the most common that they're they're trying to flee? There's so many, you know, that, and there's for so many different reasons as well. It, it's really difficult to give um, sort of an, an average journey of a, of a migrant or a refugee because everyone's story is very different. You know, even people coming from the same country might be coming for very different reasons. We, there's war-torn countries. We've got countries in it like Iran where the morality laws make it very difficult for people to lead um, a good life. Uh, yeah, so very difficult question to answer. Um, more needs to be done about that, actually. I think, again, people are very, um, they don't have a good idea about why people have to leave their homes. Um, and, you know, we get a lot of this, that's a safe country or there's no war there. That's not always the reason why people are leaving. And it's such a broad, complex subject. It really is. Meantime, a Medway councillor has been criticised for calling asylum-seeking children illegal immigrants. Leader Alan Jarrett made the comments in a press release after the authority lost a judicial review it sought against the Home Office. Labour councillor Tristan Osborne says the children are highly vulnerable and has labelled the language inappropriate. Kent Online reports. Some 
Crime news for you now and armed police have been called to Tunbridge following reports of a man with weapons. Officers closed Northwood Road over the weekend after being told a person had made threats. We're told a man handed himself in the following day and remains in custody. A bogus charity collector who targeted a pensioner in Stroud has been sent to prison for six and a half years. 46-year-old Paul Stone, who hasn't got a permanent address, assaulted the 80-year-old on her doorstep before stealing her purse. A boy's had his phone stolen after being threatened by two older teenagers in Dartford. It happened when he was with a friend in Ballshead Yard just over a fortnight ago. You can follow us on socials to see a description of the suspects or read it by heading to the website. A man who threw a bin at a police car in Ashford has been fined and ordered to pay compensation. Richard Moore also hasn't got a permanent home and lobbed a metal frame at the patrol vehicle too when it was parked near the William Harvey Hospital. The 45-year-old pleaded guilty to criminal damage. He's been fined £233 and ordered to pay £200 to Kent Police for the damage. Now, we've got more reaction on the podcast after the fire service accepted a new pay offer, averting strike action in Kent. Yesterday afternoon, firefighters accepted a 7% pay rise backdated to July 2022, plus an additional 5% from this summer. Well, Joe Weir is from the FBU in the South East. He's been speaking to Lauren Hampshire. I think we have to be honest that our members have overwhelmingly accepted this uh, pay offer. So 84% of our members have voted, uh, of which 96% of them have voted yes to accept it. I think from our perspective as the National Union, we've been very clear that this is still a below inflation pay rise, but actually it has improved our pay compared uh, to what we have seen over the past decade. There's still work to be done and we will continue that fight. But, you know, it is a step in the right direction and we will continue that fight. But we've always been clear that our members will decide when the offer is acceptable, when the time is right for them to settle the dispute. And at this moment in time, they feel that this amount is enough to settle the dispute on this occasion. Are you happy? So I guess you're kind of saying, well, the members seem happy. So, you know, are you happy with the deal? No, I think that there there is more work to be done. I think we have to take it in the context of where we are at the moment. I think that uh, we we do think we still deserve uh, more. However, the the reality is, is that this is a significant shift in the right direction. There are also a number of additional elements to the pay offer, uh, which include further conversations that will take place via working groups with the national employer this year, uh, including on control firefighter pay, our retained uh, members pay, as well as looking at the role of a firefighter and any potential new roles in those discussions. So there are a number of additional elements that are going to be go alongside this, that we are going to set up working groups with the employer and continue that pay campaign uh, into uh, uh, the rest of this year and certainly into next year so that we are aware. And, you know, that, and employers do need to be aware that, yes, this has been enough this time round, uh, but actually it is still a below inflation pay rise. Uh, And our members have made clear previously that they won't accept uh, anything uh, derisory in the future. So I think, you know, this is a good stepping stone for us to improve. So in terms of the strike action, then, do you think that industrial action is now off the table? Yeah, so industrial action, certainly for this round, as a result of this pay uh, resolution and and the acceptance of this offer, uh, there will be no strike action, uh, certainly. I think we have been clear with the employers all along. This will come into effect on the 1st of July 23. So the 5% will come into effect on that diet, uh, that date. Uh, and then that runs until, so our next pay claim will be uh, July 2024. Uh, so we are preparing for that and we will prepare for that, you know, imminently and through the summer months. Uh, but we are urging the employers and they have agreed 
so which is another good step to meet with us on these working groups around the additional elements of the pay proposal. As I said earlier, they, they're split into five broad categories, the new role of a firefighter, control, retained, uh, continual professional development, CPD, and also pay progression. So that is definite progress. And we will meet with employers and we will seek to resolve the other issues that concern our members through those working groups in direct negotiation with the national employers. Uh, and hopefully we can continue to move forward. Kent Online reports. The Met Office has issued a second weather warning for Kent as a cold snap starts to bite. It's thought we could see snow across the county from midnight. A yellow weather alert is in force until Thursday morning. Don't forget, you can tune in to our sister radio station, KMFM, for regular travel updates if it does start to affect your journey. Seven traveller sites across Kent will see investment and improvements thanks to almost £4 million in government funding. The County Council secured the money to carry out essential maintenance and hopefully reduce the number of unofficial camps. It's going to be distributed across sites in Dover, Aylesford, Canterbury, Sevenoaks, Dunton Green, Sittingbourne and Westmoreland. New figures given to the Kent Online podcast show an increase in fly tipping in three parts of Kent. Canterbury, Folkestone and Hythe and Maidstone have all reported more cases of waste being dumped in the past year compared to the previous 12 months. The county as a whole saw a drop in incidents from more than 30 21,000 to 27,500 over the same period. Now, a Kent pharmacist has described his position as dire, with as many as 600 pharmacies across the country set to close this year. 800 have already shut since 2015 due to rising costs. Amish Patel runs Hodgson Pharmacy in Longfield and says he's expecting to make a loss for the next two years unless there's government intervention. In 2016, we first saw some funding cuts to the pharmacy budget and then in 2018 we were signed up to a five-year contract basically and I'm a second generation pharmacist my dad was a pharmacist before me and we were talking the other day and he was getting paid 20 years ago the same as what I'm getting paid today to deliver prescriptions yet we're delivering more and more services at the same time so actually we're doing a lot more work for the same money and what we've seen is with especially the cost of living crisis going on as well and the energy prices going up you know, staff costs going up every year with the minimum wage going up. We've seen that sort of a 30% decrease to our funding in the last decade. That's huge. So we're getting to a point now, it's just completely unsustainable. In 2020, my pharmacy made the first ever loss in its business profits, um, which is for a pharmacy, which is like a second generation, been established since 1985. We've got no loans on our business. It's really worrying. And many pharmacists out there who do have loans on their businesses who don't have to pay high rents as well. And in that year, 2020, we made a decision to divest a little bit into sort of more private services sector, and that's kept us going for the last two years. But I'm, my forecast is now showing that the next two to three years, I'm going to make continual losses. Now that happens, unless the government does something drastic to increase our funding, we'll be out of business. Um, and what does that do? Well, that's going to put the, a big gap in the market for our community. Patients will be struggling to access pharmaceutical care. It's going to increase pressure on GPs because we take a lot of pressure off the GPs at the moment by seeing patients, take pressure off A&E, the whole secondary care system as well. So it's going to have a huge impact in the area at the same time. Kent Online News. A colourblind man from Gravesend says he's been discriminated against after being refused a job due to the condition. Stephen Weimer wears special glasses which allow him to see with regular vision but was told to remove them during a medical test for a role at Heathrow Airport Security. He failed the test and lost out on the job. Well, a spokesperson for Heathrow says he's welcome to explore other job vacancies at the airport. A low-emission car club has been launched in Sittingbourne following the success 
success of another Kent branch last year. It's run through Hirecar, who are working with Swale Borough Council to provide three hybrid vehicles which you can rent. It follows the success of a trial scheme in Faversham. There are concerns about parking when a new Greggs opens on Romney Marsh. The chain is taking over an empty site next to a petrol station, but people living nearby fear there's not enough space for customers to leave their cars. We have asked bosses for a comment. Kent Online reports. Experts say they're feeling optimistic about the property market in Kent. A new survey has revealed over 70% of those involved in the property sector in the county predict growth over the next two years. That's despite the current tough economic climate. Although the retail market is still struggling, experts say demand for office and industrial space is high and that there's ongoing take-up at Kent's science and business parks. Well, Home Bargains is getting ready to open a new store in Ramsgate after spending a million pounds on refurbing a former Aldi. It's creating 20 jobs and will also bring in staff from other stores nearby. Shoppers will be able to go there from Saturday. The third full moon of the year is set to be visible across Kent latest. Sky gazers will be hoping that the snow holds off so they have a chance to catch March's so-called worm moon. Experts say it should be visible for a number of hours from around now. And Mr Doodle has been at work on a massive piece of art in Ashford. He's been commissioned to decorate the side of a car park on Edinburgh Road as part of an art trail through the town. The 28-year-old has been telling the podcast what we'll be able to see when it's finished. It's just uh, themed around all these different ideas that I have, like uh, flying fish and um, little birds and things like that. And I've hidden in uh, Mr. Doodle within the mural, as well as his evil twin and doodle dog. And there's a few more things yet to come. And I'm really enjoying it, having a good time. It's uh, set up by Ashford Council. So tell me about sort of how you feel about the whole project. And um, when they obviously asked you to do it, were you quite excited for it? Yeah, so Ashford Borough Council asked me to come and paint this wall. They gave me a few different options of different walls around the town and uh, this one was just amazing. Like, uh, I thought it was such a great big space. It's the biggest wall I've ever done as a single artwork and I just thought I've got to do that. Um, it looks really exciting and just, yeah, it's great to be part of the project and um, give something to the community. Uh, I hope people enjoy it um, or have an opinion on it or whatever they think. I just hope it um, brings a bit of fun or joy to people's lives really, I guess. It's brilliant. How long do you think it might take you to complete it? I think it's going to take another um, couple of hours to do the black lines and then I'm adding a few bits of colour which will take an, another maybe three or four hours or so. Um, so yeah, probably another day's work, I guess. Kent Online Sport. Football and it's a trip to promotion chasing Stockport County for Gillingham tonight. It follows their nil-nil draw at Harrogate on Saturday. That result moved the Jills eight points clear of the League Two relegation zone and manager Neil Harris has been chatting to our sports reporter, Luke Cordell. They've got brilliant qualities in the squad. Um, can play different systems. They've got a lot of ability in, in the group. Um, and that's why it's a great test for us. Um, we'd like to have been going there with off the back of three points today. But it is another point gained, uh, gained and, and I think now eight, eight points from Crawley and, and you know more from Rochdale and, and you know, further away from Hartlepool and, and uh, with games in hand as well. So there is a positive for us. We, we, we can go and have a go at Stockport. Um, We've got to have the mindset that we had today where we had that character and the, and the discipline and, and, and the desire to get a clean sheet. But then, you know, ask questions of them as well. They're getting to the stages where they want to be in the top three and should be in the top three, really. Um, so they're getting to that, that pressure stage as well that they need to win games of football. 
and with it being an eight-point gap now, do you, do you feel a bit quite sort of relaxed about the situation? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, try, try and try my best to stick to the terminology of going one game at a time. Yep. Is, is that what you have been doing? I kept echoing that message to you guys to get to the fans <laughs> that we're, we're one at a time. Um, I, I, eight points is a three-game swing, as we know, uh, or four four games um, with a couple of draws in a three-win swing. So, um, you know, we, we, we are in a, a lot healthier position than we were. Um, and, until we're mathematically safe, then I'm not, not going to be content um, to looking towards the summer and, and, and building. Um, so for me, it's just about Stockport now. You know, we look at Stockport and it's the next game, and, and what I've got to do is, is on the back of obviously Joe Bode going out on loan, um, then looking at us going, well, I can only bring 17 players today, uh, left, left a couple behind, but it's now who's fit, who's fresh to go Tuesday night at Stockport. Because then what, what I know after Stockport is we've got another huge home game next week against Hamia where, where we want the place rocking again and, 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 and putting another top home performance. Kick-off tonight is at 7.45. You'll be able to follow the match action at Kent Online. We'll have reaction to the result in bulletins over on our sister radio station, KMFM, tomorrow morning. Plus plenty more for you in the podcast later on in the day. And the draw for the Indian Wells Tennis Masters has thrown Kent's Emma Rajukanu a bit of a curveball. She's set to face at Danker Kovinic. The 20-year-old will need to beat the player who got the best of her at last year's Australian Open if she's to progress. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. And whilst you're on the site today, you can check out our story about the company that could be the best to work for in Kent. We'll be back with the podcast tomorrow. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.